Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like when Pavlov's phone rang, did he go and feed the dog? <laughs> Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment we will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious strange supernatural unusual bizarre and just plain weird <laughs> if you have just tuned in especially to hear the show then i admire your taste if you have just tuned in by accident then i admire your luck i'm huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the midwest plains with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door so snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce tonight's guests. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather wondered this week if it's always wrong to generalise. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> hello we also have with us the analytical and skeptical mind of kim gore kim is also a talented and valued member of the international paranormal society kim realized that men only have two emotions hungry and horny so if you see a guy <laughs> with an erection kim you need to make him a sandwich <laughs> finally on tonight's show i wish to introduce the calm an unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if she makes him a sandwich after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He's also a producer and sound mixer. Greg realised this week that the early bird might catch the worm, but it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> Before we start, I have to say... We listen every week to my mother snoring distantly from the room next door. Here we are. If we put our ear against the wall, 
This is what we're hearing. Jack in Texas said this week that she told her husband, I get so jealous when Adrian talks about all of the places he's travelled to. And her husband said yes, but he lives with his mother. (laughs) (laughs) This is very true. We are on episode 67. 67 is a wondrous and amazing number. 67 is the number of counties in Florida, Alabama, and pennsylvania i believe you can tell it's june in florida right now because hot water comes out of both taps and even the birds are laying hard boiled eggs there's points to be had straight off the bat here which state has the most counties in it do you think going around the table have a guess heather montana montana Pick a state. I'll stick with Minnesota. Minnesota. California. California. It is indeed. It's Texas. One of the biggest. <laughs> Have a guess how many counties are in Texas. Have a guess. 150. 87. There'd be more than 69, but. <laughs> Heather has won the point straight off the bat. Texas has 254 Holy Hannah. counties. Kim mentioned 87, I believe. Minnesota has 87, which is where you might have got that from. What is the smallest number of counties? Which state would that be, and what's the number? Any suggestions? New Heather? Hampshire. New Hampshire. What number do you think? I'll go back to the 87. 87. Rhode Island. That's a good guess, Greg. How many do you think Rhode Island has? 30. 30. Indiana. And you're going with? (laughs) 23. 23. It's Delaware. (laughs) Delaware has three counties, apparently. So points for Heather there. Everyone else failing miserably. Of your own country, of course. There is no designated highway on the interstate system that uses the number 67. If someone tells you to get onto Highway 67... They're lying. No such thing exists. I read this week that a local highway department crew reached their job site but had forgotten all of their shovels. So the crew foreman called the office on his cell phone and informed the supervisor of the situation. The supervisor replied, don't worry, I will send some shovels. Just lean on each other until they arrive. (laughs) The international dialing code of 67 will put you through to Saipan in the North Pacific Islands of mariana Hmm. and if you have a joke about that you're a better man than i am (laughs) (laughs) nope i have nothing (laughs) we are what are we on heather morris hondo what's that again one hondo one hondo what's what sort of language are you crucifying now english you're crucifying yes you are crucifying every week (laughs) you're crucifying english this is show 100 we did 67 shows currently on series two and on series one we did 33 this is our 100th show so if you remember on last week's show i did ask people to write into me on facebook on an email to tell me their favorite parts of the last two or three years for our 100th show and i said i'd read them out live on air so i'm going to read some of those for you now kathy in minnesota said i like it when you talk about investigations as you did about morton in your last show we do like to play evps don't we we do like to Mm -hmm. play some of the evidence when we do our investigations every other weekend all around the midwest we like to share those with you so if you go back 
and listen to last week's show you'll hear all the ghostly voices all the spirits coming through we did a nice one at four paws didn't we do you remember that yes so we do like to play all of those for you and you can hear them and feel part of the investigation kevin also in minnesota agrees he writes i like the investigation updates but still enjoy the back and forth banter of the show a lot also so thank you kevin for that bruce in michigan said i love your show you guys are awesome and four out of five ghosts surveyed agreed he also goes on to say that heather morris is perfect so uh bruce in michigan obviously smoking crack at the moment regular listener griff posted i don't exactly remember but adrian couldn't breathe and sounded like he had wet himself um, I did. A small amount of weed did actually come out. He's referring, of course, to that famous episode we did where we spoke about the guy who had the 19-inch Johnson a- appendage. Yes. He had a couple of Pringles cans, didn't he? Yes. This was so funny that we have actually put it on YouTube. And several people have also written in to say that was their favorite moment. Jeff and uh, Jeff is in Wisconsin and Katie in Minnesota have written in to say that was their favorite moment as well. We did have lots of hilarity. The problem I have with that six minutes of radio was I was laughing so hard, crying so much, I couldn't breathe. I sat here looking at the three of you around this table, hoping at any given moment you would jump in and start helping me out and say something just take we, over we're just busy laughing at you that's true so i'm lying on the floor clutching my stomach i think I actually asked for an ambulance at one point <laughs> if you wish to listen to that if you go to more questions and answers with adrian lee you will find us on youtube and uh, it's called the 19 inch penis story and uh, if you want to listen to six minutes of me crying and wetting myself that would be the way to go but many many people wrote in and said that was their favorite moment over the last 100 episodes christine in connecticut wrote adrian comes across as truly the master of ceremonies and never loses it apart from that moment of course i admire how he can stay on top without demeaning his counterparts I don't know where that comes from because I'm constantly looking to demean everyone around this table. He might want to give some lectures to CEOs on true leadership. So that's a fabulous, <laughs> fabulous message. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> I'm going to give you three points straight off the bat. No messing around. You're in the lead. This is where we are. C.F. Elliott said he loved the serial ninja masturbator. Do you remember the serial <laughs> yes. ninja masturbator? He also said he liked the bizarre traffic stop. Do you remember there was a woman and there was mice in the car and they'd been smoking all kinds of weird and i think the car had got torn in half weren't they in only half the car and the rest got left behind if my memory serves me right he said that was his best moment that was series two episode 53 if people wish to look up the serial ninja masturbator story (laughs) he says i love the show and uh, when i die he plans to haunt the studio every friday apparently something to look forward to well cf elliot you can do that um i'm actually going to haunt hooters if that's okay with you you're going to be here on your own he goes on to say for god's sake make greg wear some pants (laughs) (sighs) still hasn't happened unfortunately mary in pennsylvania has written i love the episode when i believe it was heather who read out the story about a company looking for a hairy smelly guy to play a werewolf (laughs) and then suggested adrian (laughs) she said i died laughing (laughs) yes i'm 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 laughing now martin in new york commented my favorite 
is when you were all on Mountain Dew sugar rushes and Heather getting her blood pressure checked at Walmart. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just want to mention briefly in a couple of sentences what he's referring to there? Yes, I walked into Walmart and I decided to check my blood pressure and I was wearing a rather large sweater and so... I had a shirt on underneath it, and I decided to take my sweater off. So you can put your sleeve in the cuff to have a better reading. That's correct. And so I took off my sweater, and lo and behold, I actually took off my shirt underneath it. Everything well. came off. Yeah. Yes. And uh, <laughs> apparently that's his favorite moment for the last hundred episodes. He says, keep up the good work. Uh, Martin, remember, is the guy that tries to impress women with his Tesla coil. That is true. Very strange man. <laughs> I wonder if he's getting any luck with that. Barbie Sanborn in Minnesota posted, I listen because you are all great. She says uh, they're all memorable episodes and very funny. It's hard to pick just one. Mary just posted a single word, which is squirrel. No idea. <laughs> we never do stories I about can't, that. I have no idea what she's hmm. talking about. That's very odd indeed. Indeed. Tanya in Australia said, I listen with my husband because there is nothing else like it. Paranormal discussion mixed with weird world facts makes for a wonderful formula. You all work so well together. The jokes and the laughter bring smiles to our faces. She also mentions here that they've now adopted a phrase in their household, which was said on one of our episodes where I said I was going to launch a sewer pickle. And she said we absolutely lost it and we were in tears. <laughs> I think that says more about the Australian sense of humour than it does about anything else. But that's amazing. Yes. I want every household around the country now to say when they're visiting the smallest room in the house that they're going to launch a sewer pickle. <laughs> <laughs> finally michelle in new york said i love the show especially when you gave me two points so i'm going to give you two points again michelle you're starting the show on two points many thanks for all of the kind comments and words we love and appreciate all of our followers and listeners and i apologize if i never got a chance to read out your comments but we were inundated but i loved reading each and everyone heather just before we jump into our round of ghosts and hauntings what would be your most memorable moment over the last 100 episodes one of the very earliest episodes while we were all sitting around the kitchen table with a microphone in the middle and if you recall and you might have to help me a little bit it involved a gentleman named mcdonald Oh, you're going back right. That's a two or three years. She's like an elephant. If anyone knows a Scorpio out there, they don't forget anything. If you've got a friend or somebody in your household who's a Scorpio, you can bet they're remembering the minutiae of everything that goes on. This was three years ago. Yes. Do you remember it? I do. I was reading a story about a guy who saw a Sasquatch out in his woods and he went running after it and it was a small farm. And he was quite an elderly gentleman, and his last name was McDonald. And we went through this long rigmarole where you were asking me some really interesting yeah, like questions. How and getting, old was he? Yeah, you were getting very animated. And at the end of this two or three minutes of radio, I then realised that you were getting to say, or getting me to say, that old McDonald had a farm. Had a farm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't, don't enable her. This is, this is the trouble with bringing all this up. This is three years ago and you're still, while we're on the subject, if you're going to go there uh -oh. and you're now going to complain about this, I was driving home from the Twin Cities not so long ago, last week, and I'm in the car, minding my own business, driving along, just looking at the traffic, and I laughed out loud because I remembered a joke that I told on the show about six months ago. 
and the joke was and it still makes me laugh i'm smiling now this just tickles me oh, i told a joke about how my ex-wife got stung by a bee on the golf course do you recall and she went to the doctor and the doctor said where did you get stung and she said between the first and second hole <laughs> <laughs> still not funny and then the doctor says well how wide is your stance <laughs> and that still makes me laugh even after all this time i made myself laugh just by doing that i recall series one episode 18 i think do you remember where there was a gentleman who lost his twig and berries and we were talking about that bobbit case where she threw his business oh yes. out of a car window and we discussed the fact that if you was a cyclist just minding your own business cycling along the street and someone drove along fast in a car and threw the appendage out of the window mm -hmm. do you remember the sound effects you're minding your own business you're riding along on your bicycle mm -hmm. Not a care in the world, listening to the birds twittering in the trees. Someone throws, oh, right in the chops. We discussed <laughs> the fact you could be off your bike and in a ditch, right? You could have like a red rash on your face, a big mark. <laughs> I like the idea that if you didn't notice and it fell into your anorak hood, what would happen the next time it started raining? That would be a shock, wouldn't it? But that made me laugh. That was one of the interesting and funny parts for me on that as well. Greg, do you want to jump in? Anything spring to mind? Well, I can't remember any stories specifically, but it was a big thrill when we, I mean, you mentioned it sitting around the kitchen table the way we started, and, and it sounded like we were in a tin can, and then we got into little better mics and got in the studio. And, and it still sounds like we're in a tin can. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, it's evolution. The evolution of the show is incredible. Yes. It is remarkable. I, I have that. to thank, just to remind people now, we have 84,000 followers on Twitter. We have over 5,000 followers on Facebook. Uh, we have our YouTube sites, of course. We have 190 countries listening to us and over 32,000 hits just on our SoundCloud archives alone so if you wish to contact us if you wish at any time to look at the stories from tonight's show you can go to our facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee miss morris one more little bit of trivia you're gonna squeeze in some more are you no just a little bit of trivia in case anybody was wondering the intro to the show yes was actually done way back when on episode one and that voice is actually me in a really damp basement on a little tiny metal microphone that's altered. You're going to do the impression now? No, I can't. You can't do it. <laughs> that was too long What do you ago. say? Here is your host. No, more questions than answers. Yeah. Here is your host, Adrian Lee. That was yeah. quite good, actually. It, that's actually you. Yeah. And no one's ever asked this before, but our opening music is a German band isn't it they're german is that mm -hmm. right yeah i can't remember it right off the top it's a of my very head. very long time ago but if people are interested in our opening music we can post who actually composed that but it comes from germany originally it's a german it's classical obscure. classical obscure band and uh, it's very impressive it does the job i really like our intros and outros again if you wish to contact me on twitter that's adrian underscore lee underscore tips and remember i have a book out at the moment that makes a fabulous summer read called mysterious minnesota digging up the ghostly past in 13 haunted sites it was the summer solstice this week wasn't it mm -hmm. it's a good time to remind everybody that the nights are now drawing in and it's getting darker it wasn't just a summer solstice either full moon Full moon yep. on the first day of the summer solstice called Strawberry Moon, and it won't happen again for 70 years. Wow. So what you're saying is we probably won't be here. 
We've missed it. We've missed it. I was speaking to a gentleman this week that's been married for 68 years. Even if I got married today, I'm not going to make 68 years. But it'll feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure of that, right? Wow, wow. Controversial, ladies and gentlemen. It means, of course, this is going to make you happier that we are now closer to Halloween. It does. It does. Fantastic. Let's start the opening round. That is Ghosts and Hauntings. Heather's on one point and Michelle is on two. Everyone else is yet to score. Two sisters who are apparently terrorised by a poltergeist as children have returned to the scene of the haunting for the first time in almost 40 years. Margaret and Janet Hodgson were aged 13 and 11 respectively in 1977 when there was a series of unexplained disturbances at their home, including disembodied voices and levitation of the girls. The episode is on record as one of the most dramatic incidences of supposed poltergeist activity ever retold in films and books. Most recently, it was the subject of a TV drama, The Enfield Hauntings, starring Matthew McFadden and Timothy Spall. Now, as part for the research of the new blockbuster films, the girls return to the house on Green Street in Enfield for the first time since their lives were turned upside down. In a film of the visit, Janet said, It is very strange being back. It brings back lots of memories. I can recall the chest of drawers starting to shuffle and it moved towards the door. When I was a teenager, I had lots of dirty laundry for clothes that I'd worn for a very long time. And when I threw them on the floor, I'm sure they were making their way out of the door as well to the washing (laughs) machine. That's what my mum told me anyway. One particular day, I was levitating. The sisters also had an emotional meeting with demonologist Lorraine Warren, now in her 90s, for the first time since she came to the UK to investigate the strange goings-on and met the family. Back in 1977, strange knocking noises and furniture moved across the rooms of their own free will and led to the police and the Daily Mirror being called. Violent poltergeist activity. I now will contact a low, loud-brow tabloid sleazy newspaper and they'll know exactly what to do if you've got poltergeist activity and people are floating and furniture's moving around you pick up the phone you think i know i'll call the daily mail that's a lowbrow tabloid newspaper they will know exactly what to do (laughs) weren't we gonna call them i was gonna call ghostbusters oh okay Busting makes me feel good. The newspaper photographer <laughs> The newspaper photographer was called Graham Morris. Distant relative, madam. Probably. Was hit in the face by a piece of Lego which flew across the room like a cricket ball, according to one of his colleagues. And electrical items also turned themselves on. But by far the most shocking incident was when Graham managed to capture the girls levitating or being moved through the air with no visible means of support. Now the episode is the subject matter of the Hollywood film The Conjuring 2 and described by producers as the most documented case of paranormal activity in the world. I just have something to say about that picture. Oh, here we go. If you say the word bunk, you're on minus 10. Okay. Oh, oh my. (laughs) Lost for word. That picture is very famous. That was taken in 1977. Yes, it looks as if they were jumping off something. I would agree with you. I would agree with that. And it was just a picture caught in midair. The only thing I would say is that they also have 
what would back in the day be film footage but they have video footage of some of those scenes of them leaping around the beds as well but i haven't compared what that looks like in terms of a photograph of taking a still of that and you're absolutely right lots of people have said that these girls had all this imagined and they were just jumping in and out of bed i will agree with you on that only because of the flow of their hair if you look at it it's bunk Oh, I'm sure you're not the first person to say that. I would agree. And uh, there's been lots written about the Warrens recently in terms of things they made up allegedly yes. allegedly mm-hmm. so there are there are many people that think that of course you can go to our facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee and look at that photograph for yourself this continues the film follows the conjuring that made more than 350 million dollars at the box office worldwide and still remains the second highest grossing original horror film of all time second only to what what's the top one if this is the second biggest grossing original horror film of all time what's the first one the omen close but no cigar exorcist kim's on the money i shall give you a point for that it is indeed the exorcist the hodgson family mum peggy and her daughters margaret and janet and son billy seven raised the alarm after unexplained knocking and moving furniture over the next 10 months their lives were rocked by events including the daughters producing demonic voices levitating and inanimate objects appearing to have a life of their own again if you wish to see that story and that footage you're more than welcome to visit our facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee miss morris you are on minus nine what (laughs) what keep going go on you need the points (laughs) what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings i have a man who is seeking something like a restraining order he's seeking a restraining order yep there's lots of ways you can get them well it's against god he wants a restraining order against god god is omnipresent so that's going to be problematic for him isn't it god is everywhere hey for resident asked court to keep the almighty away claiming he is being mean to him oh okay that's sad isn't it that is mean an israeli man has petitioned the haifa magistrates court for a restraining order against god he's been particularly unkind to him what i will say is i've been to venice beach yeah. in california los angeles and there was no sign of god there on any level so i think <laughs> i think if he goes to venice beach he will be fine i didn't witness god anywhere that was like <laughs> sodom and gomorrah i've never seen such drug trafficking prostitution degradation and hedonism in all my life and uh, i'm booked to go back next summer apparently <laughs> <laughs> the initiator of the request was a resident of the northern port city and represented himself in court a protocol of the hearing noted that god did not turn up for the session, although it did not specify how the court would determine that the omnipresent was not, in fact, there, as opposed to merely exercising the right to remain silent. Although in the jury, there was an old man with a long beard wearing a white gown. Well, there you go. The petitioner, who is not named in the report, noted that he had tried to obtain the restraining order from the police for the past three years, but that police had merely sent a patrol car to his home on 10 occasions. (laughs) Arrest God. That's hilarious. He argued that over a three-year period, God had exhibited a seriously negative attitude toward him. He exhibits a negative attitude throughout the whole of the Old Testament. (laughs) He kills people. He he destroys people. There's plagues and pestilence and all kinds of mean and nasty things. When they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant and it suddenly jolts, one of the carriers puts his hand out to steady it and he gets zapped 
dead within instants. <laughs> I think it's the son of Aaron, if my memory serves me right. This big bolt of lightning comes down and he gets vaporized just for touching the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, that's too bad. See how mean he is? I know. Presiding Judge Ashan Cannon denied the request, which he said was ludicrous, asserting that the applicant needed to help not from the court, but from other sources. The report did not include a response on the outcome of any of the multitude of available spokespeople on behalf of the Lord. Yes, God refused to comment, apparently. Yep, kept silent. Mind you, his Twitter account was very busy that <laughs> afternoon. He did respond via via Twitter. I don't want to sound like a broken record because I constantly, constantly quote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. But if you're familiar with the book and possibly the film, there's a little fish called a Babel fish and you stick it in your ear and it translates every language throughout the universe and makes it sense to you. So it feeds on all the vocal cords of the voices that you're saying, all the you know, the lines, the oscilloscope of lines, it feeds on those, all the sound waves, and then excretes so you can understand what people from other planets and other galaxies... I don't want anything excreting in my ear. Well, it's very beneficial. <laughs> the point is that they suggest this is such a useful animal that it could not have evolved naturally and thus proves that God exists, which you think's great. But then it goes on to suggest that if you prove that God exists, you no longer have faith. And so without faith, God is nothing. And then God disappears and they get rid of God due to the fact that a Babel fish exists. Huh. So if you get a chance to read that, that's certainly very worthwhile. A group of teens were left terrified after breaking into a supposedly haunted plague hospital and capturing a ghost on camera. The six minute footage shows eerie movement in a seemingly abandoned room at the Sanatorio Duran in Costa Rica. Ominous noises can also be heard in the clip which was circulated on social media and some have speculated they are the cries of a young girl. The hospital near the city of Cartago was used to treat patients suffering from tuberculosis, which is also known as the White Plague. The hospital is near the city of Carthage, not to be confused, of course, with Carthage in North Tunisia, where the Romans got a good hiding. But some viewers branded the video a hoax and one added, I think the girl is in the hallway and was a terrified friend just running past. Check it out frame by frame. On the other hand, the ghost in the room looks about legit as it gets. But others were less sceptical, with one viewer writing, Why did you run? Stand your ground, attempt to communicate. Chances are this will never ever happen again. Some viewers have branded the video a hoax. Another ghost hunter who was visiting the hospital added, I've been there. It's really, really scary, and I believe that it's 100% real. Almost all the people that take pictures there are capturing strange things in the background. The hospital was built in 1918 by Costa Rican politician Carlos Duran Cartin, haunted by the ghost of Duran Duran's career. No doubt. <laughs> I wonder if there's uh, something I should know about the hauntings in that building. What do you think? It sounds notorious if other investigators have also been there. You might need to save a prayer for anyone who's exploring that haunted site. <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me tonight? <laughs> in the round of ghosts and hauntings. Cincinnati Music Hall may need more than a renovation. If you believe what you see in Matthew Zori's photographs, it may need an exorcism, too. 
The Cincinnati icon is known as one of the tri-state's most haunted places and was even featured on the Sci-Fi Channel's Ghost Hunters in 2014. Zori, a bass player with Cincinnati Pops and Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, who also runs Matthew Zori Photography, is photographing Music Hall during its renovations this year. And the photos he snapped last Wednesday look like they were pulled directly from the Sci-Fi Channel. He says, as you can see in these first two long exposure pictures, Music Hall clearly has some apparitions. Music Hall got its reputation as one of the most haunted places in America because of where it was built. Before its construction, Music Hall's plot was home to Ohio's first insane asylum. They build some strange things on some strange places. <laughs> they do. You think, God, no one... Why is that haunted? Oh, they, they build that over the top of a plague sanitarium. Oh, that used to be a tuberculosis hospital, and now they decided to turn it into a Chuck E. Cheese, and they wonder why stuff's <laughs> flying around. Mm-hmm. They always build these in really odd and strange places. Uh, they're saying next door at 12th Street and Central Parkway was the Cincinnati Hospital. There you go. So it's surrounded. It Top- gets worse. But it gets worse. In 1832, a cholera outbreak in Cincinnati killed 832 people and resulted in many orphans. In response, the city built Cincinnati Orphan Asylum next to the Music Hall near the corner of 12th and Elm Streets. Perfect. Elm Street? Yes. Oh, it's getting better by the minute. It's not 666 Elm Street by any chance, is it? I have no idea. Uh, The Orphan Asylum, a four-story building, was later called the Pest House because the hospital used it to isolate patients with infectious diseases. Nice. (laughs) He's got Berry Berry. Kick him next door. For 20 years, the grounds around the hospital were used to bury the homeless and those who had killed themselves. Instead of coffins, they were buried and bundled, dropped in the ground, according to the book Ghost Hunting Ohio. And on the second floor, they had a factory that made Ouija boards for Parker Brothers. Probably. There you go. Uh, In 1876, the land was turned over to the Music Hall Association, and the Music Hall was later built over the countless unmarked graves on the original location of the Pest House. It makes you want to go, doesn't it? We need to get out there with a K2 meter and a shack hack. This building with the renovations is scheduled to open up in fall of 2017. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of people wandering around there with a DVR up their sleeve and a K2 meter in their pocket. A family has been spooked after a chilling ghostly image appeared in a photo taken on a camera phone. Kiera O'Callaghan from Blarney in County Cork spotted the unexplainable vision of a face when she flicked back through her iPhone pictures. The image was so convincing that Facebook even gave the option of tagging the face. This isn't Colin the ghost. No. We have a big inflatable Halloween ghost that we take around to all of our expos that's more popular than we are. Here's his own Facebook site. If you wish to be friends with Colin the ghost, you can actually look out for him and tag him on there. But I just wondered, if you see a face of a ghost, wouldn't it be interesting? The best thing to be would be to see this ghost in this photograph. Facebook wanted to tag it because it recognised there was a face there. Wouldn't it then be interesting if it tagged that face on your Facebook of someone that you know has died because I've got maybe three or four people on my Facebook as friends that are people that have died that were my friends in the past and I don't want to get rid of them I want to keep them there and people keep posting things on their wall saying I remember you and do you remember the time when this happened and they try and keep their memory alive which is great so I know for a fact that on my Facebook wall on my Facebook friends I have at least four or five individuals that have since passed but they're still my friends on Facebook Wouldn't it be interesting if that ghostly face was recognised by Facebook and then was tagged as a suggestion for one of your friends that had passed? 
That would be the way to go, wouldn't it? That would be more scary. The image is so convincing that Facebook gives the option of tagging. She said my brother Glenn came down from Sligo and took a picture of him with my niece Carly and nephew Sean in the kitchen. My niece took the phone from me to pass it over, but took a photograph of the ceiling by accident. I didn't take any notice until I looked through the photos once more. Kiara, who describes herself as a sceptic, decided to investigate the freaky photo further by uploading it into photos. Photoshop. She explained to try and find a logical explanation my brother-in-law got the photo and took it into Photoshop where he changed the colours, darkened it and increased the contrast. Rather than show the logical explanation we were hoping for it seemed to simply further the level of mystery. We don't have anybody who has a face remotely similar to this one in terms of dimensions or physical appearance. There is no one else that looks like this and it's extremely strange. But she admitted some people are saying it's like the conjuring and some people are saying it's a good spirit. I haven't been on my own in the house yet. I don't know if it's comforting or not, but if I saw it again, I might just freak out. Kiara said she is now desperate to find out what the ghostly like image is. If you see this image, it just looks like a white face coming out through the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Have you seen this? I have. And what's your thoughts on this? Bunk. Bunk. You're on minus 20. (laughs) (laughs) It's the ghost of the ceiling. Watching your every move like an old 1920s black and white movie through the ceiling fan. I went to a yard sale recently and someone had placed a ceiling fan directly underneath a light bulb. So as you walked through the garage, sorry, garage, I'm getting there. I've got Rosetta Stone American. (laughs) It was like an old 1920s black and white movie where it's flickering. I had to walk out. I started foaming at the mouth and having a fit. My eyes were rolling in the back of my head after 10 minutes. (laughs) Didn't buy anything. They lost out on a sale. You see, I could have bought something from there. A tie. A tie. But I didn't. So we are ending the round of ghosts and hauntings. I am on four. Kim is on one. Heather's on minus 19. And Michelle (laughs) is on two. Greg is yet to score. We move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. Internet conspiracy theorists are convinced alien life is out there. And they reckon it's located on the dwarf planet of Ceres. You'd love to visit a dwarf planet, wouldn't you? Yes, I love dwarves. <laughs> Running around with their little midget hands. Little midget. Can we say that on air? I just too did. late. Done. <laughs> Cats out the bag. It was just real short. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Located in the asteroid belt. That would be fun though if you landed on a planet and everyone was a dwarf, wouldn't it? It would be like the Wizard of Oz. Located in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, Ceres has become famous for the mysterious bright spots that are visible on its surface. NASA's Dawn spacecraft snapped pictures of the bizarre lights, and recent studies appear to suggest they blink at intervals of about nine hours. Blink seems a very odd statement to make when there's nine hours between each blink because the word blink would suggest it's fairly instantaneous. That's right. Over, you know, if you blinked every nine hours, you'd have an issue, wouldn't you? Yeah. Is it blinking if there's nine hours between each blink? That's fluctuating. That's just a flashing light with a nine hour <laughs> interval, isn't it? Very strange. These fluctuations were observed in a spectrograph 
I love spectrograph as a kid, by the way. All those patterns you could make with a ballpoint pen when you drew around it in a circle. That was just a joy. Taken by the High Accuracy Radial Velocity Planet Searcher at the European Southern Observatory's La Silla Observatory in Chile. I'm going to say that again just so I get another point. These fluctuations were observed in a spectrograph taken by the High Accuracy Radial Velocity Planet Searcher at the European Southern Observatory's La Silla Observatory in Chile. That gives me a nice six. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, plenty of UFO hunters and space watchers see this as potential evidence of alien life. This is alien life on another planet. They're showing us they exist. Explain one tube video entitled Dramatic Proof of Life on Ceres. The video has so far clocked up over 29,000 views. Some UFO enthusiasts speculate that it is a signal. It could be a warning signal, a radar tower, or a greeting signal, writes the space blog latest UFO sightings. Some members of the UFO community think that alien colonists created the bright spots on the dwarf planet. As the blog goes on to say, scientists themselves have a theory, if not a definitive answer on what causes the bright spots on Ceres to fluctuate. It explains that activity beneath the surface of Ceres is bursting through and plumes of materials are reflected in the sunlight when the dwarf planet is facing one star. That's like a pimple being squeezed, I think is what it's suggesting. Ew. An alternative idea presented in a pair of studies in the respected science journal Nature suggests the weird glow is caused by light reflecting off of salty ice that salty ice is a problem isn't it in the background of some theaters that don't have any heating <laughs> the brightest and most visible light is emanating from a 60 mile wild crater called Olcato. although there are about 130 other glowing holes in the surface of ceres we can't know for sure but in the meantime both scientists and conspiracy theorists are continuing to examine this fascinating member of our solar system if you wish to read that story and see the fluctuating blinking lights with nine hours between each blink you're more than welcome to visit our facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee miss morris what do you have for me tonight in the round of green men and hairy beasties i'm going to iowa iowa is iowa. that worth a cheer and a clap or are we not doing that for iowa anymore i don't remember say it again iowa yeah <laughs> that's almost Silly. Silly. <laughs> Iowa County is freaked out by mystery men in black. They just stand around on local roadways in black trench coats, then disappear. Men wearing black trench coats walking around the highways of Iowa. And then they disappear. And then just Oof, disappear. Gone. Disappeared. Yep. Like dust. Yeah. I'm a phantom in the night. I'm here. I'm there. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Law enforcement officials in Muscatine County, Iowa, are scratching their heads over reports streaming in about a group of men in black trench coats who've been spotted along the side of the road, in the road, and even in people's yards. The so-called men in black seen mostly along Highway 22, so go head out on Highway 22. Makes me want to go to Highway 22, know, right? drive up and down a couple of times with a camera. You'd stop and interview them, wouldn't you? What? I get out. <laughs> Hello, sir. I'm from Britain, don't you know? Would you like to say something for the BBC News? What? <laughs> Hold my umbrella. That's the sort of thing. I don't think an umbrella would be needed in some parts of Iowa at the moment. 
seeing we fully penetrated June. Well, they are usually just standing around, though they'll occasionally step into the street as cars drive by. They're not Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> they could be. They're, They're could Jehovah's be. Witnesses. They're going between each house. <laughs> I had a guy knock on my door and said, Jehovah's Witness. I said, I never even saw the accident. Uh, my son has experienced this, and it's no joke, said one local woman on her Facebook page. The sheriff office notes it's received several MIB reports and needs the public's help in figuring out what's going on. I know what's going on. What? They're so taken aback and surprised that someone's dressed smartly with a suit and tie on. They've never seen it before. They're sat there with an old plaid shirt on with the sleeves cut out and a pair of jeans with their arse hanging out and a baseball cap chewing tobacco. And it's like, what's that over there? It's someone dressed smartly. That's what it is. It's someone who's dressed smartly, (laughs) wearing nice, clean, pressed clothes. Well, they are... It's unusual to Iowa. It's the same with soap and water and clean underwear. They've never seen it. Well, they're actually thinking that this isn't a criminal issue at the moment, but they think it's a public safety one. It's criminal, is it, to wear smart, pressed, clean clothing in Iowa? Yep. Some of the people that were commenting on the sheriff's Facebook post and the lady's Facebook post says, this sounds like a job for Scooby-Doo and the gang. (laughs) Or tips, whatever. (laughs) They also said that in a right-to-carry state with the kinds of things happening nowadays, doing something this foolish, if it's a prank, it's going to lead to someone being hurt. Yes, someone's going to come off the road into Never a wear ditch a trench coat. in a built-up area between the hours of darkness. I hear what you're saying. Points to be had. I shall give you a fabulous 10 points and you're now on minus nine. <laughs> a mystery animal thought to be a stingray appears to have got lost in Venice after swimming down one of the city's famous canals. Rare footage of the fish swimming gracefully through the waters has been shared online after being filmed by a gondolier. Many locals say they have never seen a ray in the waters, while the man who captured the film said it was the first time he'd ever seen anything like it. The short film shows the ray, which are related to sharks as it swims down one of Venice's many canals. In the background, excited children and adults can be heard admiring the fish whilst making some French fries. (laughs) The man who took the image... Named only as Giorgio, said he had taken the video in the Grand Canal as it was swimming among the gondolas, apparently untroubled by the boats above. He said, I was on my way back when I caught a glimpse of something in the water. I was very intrigued, so I followed the trail. I grabbed my camera because I could see there was something in the water, but I couldn't film it too well. And I thought maybe it may have been a cormorant. Easy to confuse a fish with a bird, isn't it? Is what I'm saying here. Yes. He must be a Venetian blind. Oh, you didn't. (laughs) Really? I love this show. I love this show. This is just a joy. Locals said they'd never seen a ray swimming in the city's canals. And I'm not surprised because I've been to Venice many times. It's so polluted. You can walk across the water in many places. But, of course, the last person who did that got nailed to a tree. I'm just going to say I recall one other thing from the 100 episodes we've done that was my favorite. So it's taken you 46 (laughs) minutes from start to finish to come up with the one you were going to come up. 46 minutes. Yes. And your brain's just fired some synaptic links. Yes. My other favorite part was when I got to keep score. (laughs) (laughs) I think Kim and I won that night, if I recall. Yes. And if I recall, that's the only time. You've ever kept score. It was Kevin. (laughs) Kevin in Minnesota said, why don't you let Eva keep score? Okay, that seems like a good idea. Never listening to him again. 
He doesn't get Christmas cards. What was I thinking? I must have been weak-willed that day. That's shocking. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? After heavy rains last week, parts of Brighton, Colorado were inundated with more than rainwater when clumps of maggot-like mystery oh. bugs began falling on unsuspecting citizens. It's raining maggots, hallelujah, <laughs> it's raining maggots. Big, fat, wide, and... No, it doesn't really work, does no. it? No, I lost <laughs> it. I should have kept with it. No. According to reports by local news stations, a couple was walking their dog and preparing their grill when swarms of little yellow and orange worms began pelting them from the sky. (laughs) The bugs nearly covered whole portions of the sidewalk, hitting people and even landing in the couple's grill. It's the Norwegian (laughs) parachute worm display team. (laughs) Once local news picked up the couple's story, reports of similar dropped larvae began trickling in from other areas in the region. Gross. Many of the bugs they discovered were already dead but there were enough of them living to make the writhing downpour all the more unsettling. Oh, oh wriggling all over. When you, hit, when you hit the sidewalk with that kind of velocity, that's going to make a mess, isn't it? Yuck. Landing Can in your hair, driving, looking up at the sky. You've got your windscreen wipers on because you're going through a maggot storm. Well, at Ugh. least you would be inside a vehicle. Ugh. Oh, that's shocking. Uh, no one has yet to concretely identify the little grubs or even where they came from. Aliens. Can imagine if you went down your cleavage. Oh. You'd be rooting around for an hour, couldn't you, trying to find that little bugger? Could be the plumber's butt thing going too. Oh, yes. You're bending over. You're fixing the yard. Straight down the crack. That's not coming back. I'd feel sorry for that maggot, actually. That would be a rough trot, wouldn't it? Everyone else is falling into cleavages. Knowing my luck, I get butt crack. Look at Colin. Colin's landed in that big woman's cleavage. And I can slowly see myself coming down. There's a plumber leaning over. <laughs> typical Walter typical of the worm yeah it's shocking Walter. Walter the worm yeah Mike the maggot there's a whole children's book here isn't there Mike the maggot investigates the plumber's butt crack right kids are you sitting comfortably one day how's that that's not going to end well is it I'm saying that's not ending well oh look I found the remote TV controls maybe they'll let you be the artist for that children's book I could draw that I just wonder If he's got the TV remote stuck up his bottom with a maggot next to it, if he sits down, does the TV go on and off? What if the frequency, he sits down. to the National Geographic channel. Every time he sits down, the TV turns over. Next door's door's garage is on the same frequency. The neighbours are wondering why the garage doors are going up and down. Martin, he's had Mountain Dew. This is true, Martin. Martin, we can only apologise for the sugar rush. There is, there's three bottles of Mountain Dew in front of me and not much left in either of them. My bladder only holds 16 ounces. It's ridiculous. When you go to the cinema in this country, they offered me 16 ounces of soda. My bladder must only have, what, 12 or 13 ounces? And I've got a big bladder. It's like a beach ball. Not like your little apricot where we're stopping every 25 minutes in the car because you've got to have a wee. But... (laughs) So, but my bladder tells me I want to go when it's only half full. When you think to yourself, oh, I need to have a wee, your bladder's telling you it's still got half its capacity left. So if my bladder holds 12 ounces and you're drinking a 16-ounce soda and it's telling me I need to have a wee after six ounces, I need to go for a wee three times whilst I've had that soda. Are you done? I'm done. <laughs> okay, Just saying, things in this country come in ridiculously large portions. So you're not done. 
I'm not done at all. I lied. <laughs> Points for everyone. Hurrah! <laughs> a local entomologist who spoke with Nine News said that they were likely fly maggots that were knocked out of a tr- out of tree canopies by the rain and wind. Oh God! That'll be one of them fly maggots in your butt creek. So while they might not pose much threat in terms of poison or bites, it's cold comfort that they were just piles of maggots raining down on the Brighton locals. In other words, it could have been worse. Imagine there's two fish. They've not had anything to eat. There's two fish in a pond. One says to the one, I'm praying for food. I've decided. In fact, they're shrimps. Two shrimps in a pond. They've left God behind. In Colorado? Yep. God doesn't exist. They're two shrimps in a pond in Colorado. They've left restraining orders. Left God behind. They're not interested in God anymore. They've got no food. So one's praying. Obviously, he's a prawn again Christian. And uh, maggots rain down from the sky and they have their dinner and everyone's happy and they believe in God again. This is what's happening. UFOs and cryptozoology. Miss Morris, what have you got for me? I got a kraken. You've got a kraken. <laughs> Not a butt kraken either. You've got a butt kraken. <laughs> Clash of the butt krakens. I've seen that film. Walter the Worm is not in this one. The photograph, which originated on satellite mapping service Google Earth, shows what looks like a large 75-foot squid-like creature off the coast of Deception Island near Antarctica. Deception Island? Yes. We need an echo on that Deception Island. Is that where the phantom turtle lives on Deception Island? I think so. I think he might. Well, according to Andrew David Thaler of Southern Fried Science... That sounds legit, doesn't it? Right. And your news. <laughs> That's where my PhD's from. <laughs> I believe it. Yes. Uh, what the image actually shows is a sail rock, a well-documented outcropping of stone, which protrudes 100 foot above the surface of the sea. So the photo was bunk. Was it moving? That no. would be a good sign. When it, rocks don't tend to move too much, do they? That's where we are. You don't think so to yourself, oh, look at that rock moving around over there. I must take a photograph. Yeah, so the... But Kraken was... But Kraken was just was a rock, rock. Was a rock. Well, thank you for bringing that to our attention. You're welcome. I've lost three minutes of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> when I'm on my deathbed, I've got my death rattle, my family around me. I'll think back to this very moment where we did our 100 episode and I lost a minute of my life that I could have had in credit because you mentioned a Kraken that turned out to be a rock. You owe me a lot more. And Kim and Greg for all your tangents <laughs> you go off on. We lose 10 minutes at a time. Yes. You're in credit for five years. <laughs> I don't care. Do I look bothered? Is his face bothered? I mean, look bothered? it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> On any level, we move into the round that is the strange and the bizarre, because nothing so far, of course, has been remotely strange or bizarre. This is the round where we read out stories from around the world that don't fit into any other category. An American mum has left her doctor stunned after waking up from a routine operation with a British accent. <laughs> she now sounds instantly intelligent and can pronounce the word squirrel properly. What? Born and bred in Texas, Lisa Lamia underwent surgery to correct an overbite. When the mum of three woke up from the anesthesia, her Texan drawl had been replaced by a British accent. I don't believe it. The operation left the 33-year-old Rosenberg native suffering a rare neurological disorder. Medics say has affected less than 100 people worldwide in the last 100 years. People who don't know me, they're like, hey, where are you from? Lisa said, I'm from Rosenberg. They're like, where is that? I'm like right here in Rosenberg. She oh, sounds, that sounds intelligent. British. Yeah. yeah, I still, she's still constructing her sentences like a Texan, despite the British accent. Are they considering it a failed surgery? 
I have no idea what's going on. Wow, she's going to get money back in compensation. Oh, you're from up here. How do you talk like that? So there's the whole story. Initially, Lisa was reluctant. Almost makes me want to know the woman. Initially, Lisa was reluctant to talk with her new voice. But now she has embraced her British accent and has a weekly paranormal radio show which goes out on Dark Matter Radio. I made that up. <laughs> They're always asking me how my mum got that accent. I'm actually from Iowa. Daughter Kylie Alamia said, I thought she was joking with me, but then she showed me that the doctor diagnosed her with foreign accent syndrome. Then I was like, oh, Lord. That was a bit kind of, oh, Brian. No. Stowey. Lisa's neurologist, Dr. Toby Yelto, has put her through a series of tests trying to find the answer. But so far has failed. Mum is probably the one word I notice right away, Alamia said. Kitten is another. They think I'm talking about a baby cat. I'm not. I'm saying I'm just kidding. I don't know how kitten and just kidding. I've no idea. <laughs> okay, the difference wondering. is one has two T's in it and the other one has two D's, which is a giveaway. I don't know the reaction I was going to get from people, so I don't know if they're going to judge me. Are they going to think I'm lying or even understand what I'm speaking? Thanks to the support of family and friends, Lisa said she is learning to live with her new voice, although she occasionally still struggles to make herself understood. Isn't that the truth? Right there. Absolutely. Miss Morris, what do you have for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Bog butter. Bog butter. Bog butter. It almost makes me want to buy some to put on my bog toast. I have some for you. It's 2,000 years old. Oh, you have yeah. some very old-fashioned bog, bog butter. Bog butter. Okay. Yes. A large 20-pound chunk of the ancient butter has been retrieved from a peat bog by a farmer in Ireland. And the unappetizing discovery was made back at the beginning of June in Emla Bog, County Meth, by Jack Conway. County well, Meths? Yes. They're making this up. It doesn't no. really happen. I want to meet a guy called Pete Boggs. This is where I'm going. <laughs> I've investigated the Boggs house. It's a very famous historical building in Manterville, Minnesota. People need to look it up. Huh. One of the first black slaves to be freed set up a business in Manterville and was very profitable. And he lived in the Boggs house. It's a very interesting story. Bog butter. He found some butter. How old is this butter? 2,000 years 2, old. 2,000 year old. There's stuff in the back of my fridge that I think could probably compete with that. <laughs> yeah, I bet you're right. There's stuff running yeah. around in there that needs a haircut. He found it while he was trying to harvest peat for fuel. I didn't yes. know they used that for uh, it, fuel. It's actually illegal in some places because peat bogs take thousands of years to come to fruition. And it's actually been banned in many places from doing that because they're seen as a historic site now. Oh, wow. Well, what had ended up happening is in early medieval Ireland, butter was actually considered to be something of a luxury and peat bogs were used as a way to store it thanks to their low temperatures and oxygen content. So there could be a leg of lamb in there. Yep. Some jam. Mm-hmm. Right Last night's bogs. dinner. There's yeah. all kinds of things. You're raiding a peat. <laughs> I'm just going to get up in the middle of the night and I'm going to raid a peat bog. Well, according to Andy Helpin of the National Museum of Ireland, the bog butter may actually st even still be edible. Well, so, it's grease. Mm, mm, Does mm, grease, mm, I guess grease doesn't go. It could go, go rancid. Yeah, it could do. It could split all kinds of things. Well, he said given its extreme age, he probably wouldn't recommend it. No, I don't think nah, that's a don't. good idea. Don't Some put bog butter on bog your butter. toast. <laughs> you <laughs> just want to, you've got Tourette's. You kicked me under the table two weeks ago for saying certain words over and over again. Bog butter. Don't make me slap you. Bog butter. Ow. Oh, that's going to leave a bruise. 
<laughs> I warned you. You were told. Don't make me tell you twice. We have reached the final round of the evening. Is the round that we call not for your mother. It means you have now found us somewhere in the electronic media world, either on our archives or somewhere like iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud. So thank you for searching us out. This is the round where your mother needs to be removed from the room if she is easily offended i have a story that says the unique use for a personal pleasure aid seems to work in this ingenious video that any budding diy fans to learn from you watched the video didn't you i did she's french i I, I subscribe (laughs) um i know the woman i like the way they call it a pleasure aid i think that's great a pleasure aid kool-aid well it's not necessarily (laughs) you could stir it with it i guess i've never heard it called a pleasure aid before that's quite sweet it is you've got a whole drawer of pleasure aids i do i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) the astonishing video shows the moment a woman used the suction cup from a sex toy to smooth out the dents in the side of her car that's smart (laughs) the pleasure aid (laughs) has one end shaped like a penis but this industrious woman is more interested in the other end accompanied by men we hear but never see the french woman works on her car where a scrape reveals a recent incident has damaged the bodywork i've driven through france you need a whole trunk full of pleasure aids because they dent your car. The driving's just wrap your car in them there's people wrap your car in it (laughs) what dented the car what dented the car <laughs> you can wrap your car if you wrapped your car in those and just drove it across the color Cala- across the stuff. calamari desert <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine be like a rhino there'd be people on safari in kenya it's a unicorn you could take one to the front of the car <laughs> and charge land rovers it'd be like jousting <laughs> it would oh you-, <laughs> you could have someone's eye out madam <laughs> medieval knights going at each other in cars with pleasure aids taped to the hood (laughs) i want to see that i want to see that happen jousting with pleasure aids (laughs) by heather morris (laughs) greg's doing sound effects you could kill somebody yes you could (laughs) that's terrible i want to see that happen there needs to be a film do you remember a knight's towel yes there needs to be jousting. We'll get a couple of old banger cars, a couple of old Le Sabres from 1989. We'll tape some pleasure aids to the front and we'll go at each other in a field somewhere. Greg's got a field. We can make that happen. We can video that. We need to get the glow-in-the-dark one. <laughs> we can do it at night. Yeah. <laughs> now you see it. Now you don't. <laughs> <laughs> she attaches the tool to the bodywork over, over each dent and then pulls it away and tries to flatten them out. Makes you wonder how she's putting holes in her donuts. <laughs> Although it's probably not what the manufacturers intended, the trick appears to work, as the woman says, no, no, it's good. But obviously in French. The woman and her friends laugh as she repairs the dents proudly using the pleasure aid. That's a good excuse, isn't it, as to why you've got one in the glove box. Oh, that's just for sucking the dents out of the car. In your toolbox. In your toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> There's many jokes to be said. I know, I know. My mum said if I had nothing nice to say. Perhaps sex toys like this could become part of any automobile enthusiast's arsenal from now on in. Your mother said that? Apparently. (laughs) You don't want it anywhere near your arsenal, do you, is what I'm suggesting. Uh, Kim, what have you got for us tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? We're going to go and talk about soccer. Fantastic. Can I... U-E-F-A. UEFA? UEFA. UEFA, yes. UEFA. All right. Euro 2016. UEFA red-faced as mascot shares same name as a sex toy. 
It's about yeah. the French again. This is being held in France. Those French are a strange bunch, I tell France. you. I know they're the fifth biggest listener of our show, but you're mad over there. You're all strange, you are. Anyone who eats <laughs> snails and frogs is odd. I'm sorry. Uh, Super Victor was designed by Euro 2016 organizers as a small boy with a cape and superpowers, but he shares his name with a sex toy. <laughs> What's his name again? <laughs> Jolly Green Super Giant. Victor. Super oh, I Victor. It was Super Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I misheard. Yeah, so that's what Heather's got in her glove box at the moment. <laughs> that's in my bedside cabinet. There's not a pair of gloves in there, I can tell you. There's no room. No room for the gloves. Nothing. There's not a pair of gloves to be seen. I confused it with mine. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can only apologize. Yes. Embarrass myself. You've embarrassed your friends, your My family, country. your country, your <laughs> continent, women, white, white people, people called Heather. <laughs> we could be here sometime, Kim. We could. In a buildup marked by tension over weightier matters, Euro 2016 organizers face embarrassment of a different kind after it emerged their mascot shares its name with a popular sex toy. UEFA is hoping for a sizable income for merchandise sizable. featuring the Euro 2016 mascot. You're like Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. He said sizable. <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass, Beavis. Give him some natural. I'm still thinking of Super Peter. Go on. She can't get past it. Look, her eyes have glazed over. She's gone. Look. Nothing there. Gosh, she's got a thousand yard stare. What was that name again? I've not seen anyone. With a stare like that since there was photographs. Since you brought in a fresh pack of batteries. Of the soldiers <laughs> stepping out of the trenches of the First World War. You've got Perfect a thousand man. yard stare. I've seen soldiers coming out of the trenches in the First World War with that look on their face. Mm. Photographs have captured the moment. She was gone. Wasn't even in the room, were you? What? Exactly. <laughs> You're ugly. Permagrin is yes. what I'm calling it. Yes. You're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. What'd you say about you? No. She, she's not listening. She's not there. My, your mother dresses me funny. Your mother still bathes me. <laughs> Potential purchasers face a surprise when they search for the name of the toy online, with the results split between a sex toy available from sites such as Amazon and products featuring the tournament mascot. I want to know what this is now. I want detail. Uh, we need to look it up. I want to you see want what to this does. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I want to know what this involves. Uh, the character was unveiled in November 2014, then nameless, at a France friendly as the build up to Euro 2016 began. The public were then invited to vote in a social media poll with Super Victor beating Dribblu and Golix. UEFA said the name was based on the idea of victory and refers to the superpowers the small boy gained when he found a magic cape, boots, and a ball. A spokesman added, all we can say is that the sex aids are not produced by UEFA. <laughs> this is a man in a suit running around the ground. Heck of some very, they didn't do any market research, did they? Miss Morris, bring to the conclusion the show on the round of Not For Your Mother. Well, I'm keeping with the theme. Of football oh, mascots. Sex toys. Oh, yes. There is a theme going around. A there. Sydney man who used a large rubber sex toy to threaten a mechanic from whom he'd been demanding money. Did he pull it out of the glove box? I no, he so. charged it in with it taped to the hood. <laughs> he jousted <laughs> with it. Has been told by... Can you imagine if you're the plumber and you're fixing the pipes and the maggots are falling out of the sky and a guy drives up with that stellar tape to the hood and then <laughs> it suddenly slips gear and before you know where you are, you've become best of friends. Mm -hmm. That could be problematic. Maybe they were falling out of the sky thinking mommy... There has been occasions, hasn't there? 
Oh, oh Greg's brought it up. That's that, freaking huge. That's the mask. Oh, my oh goodness my. me. I thought that was a lava lamp. That's the size wow. of a watermelon. That wouldn't fit in I'm, your glove box. No, that wouldn't. No, I'm you'd need obelisk. the you'd need you'd need the back of you need the back seat for that. Greg is oh my Greg God. in his infinite wisdom has decided to look up the super Victor for the benefit yeah. of our listeners. On the left, there's a picture of the mascot, and he looks like Pinocchio wearing white gloves. And he looks like he just seen the super Victor. He certainly <laughs> certainly has a look of surprise on his face, doesn't he? It makes me wonder what Jimmy Cricket's doing behind him. Oh, and that is oh, that's someone's thermos flask. Look that at that woman's hands. Real. That, where's that going? That oh, woman, you've wow. seen the woman's hands. That must have a circumference of a good 12. That's got 12 inches of diameter. That's not. I've got thermos flasks that you can feed a family. It's like a four. torpedo. It looks like all manner of things. I thought it was a lava lamp when I first saw it. Where's that going? Oh, no. I, I can see why they've called it. that. Oh, what? That was a super victor, apparently. Okay, okay. do continue. All right. Well, he had been demanding money and has been told by a sentencing judge to settle down and stop offending. Aaron Saba, 42, was on Tuesday sentenced to a maximum of 12 months in jail, so a year, more than three years after he entered the mechanic's workshop with a 45 centimeter. How big is that? 45 centimeters. Well, you've got to divide that by about three and a half, haven't you? It's going to be about 12. It's ginormous. It's 12. A ginormous black dildo. It's That's 12. what it It's just ginormous. It looks like the Super Victor. It was a truncheon. <laughs> Our police carry those around in Britain and they club people. That's right. It is. It's a sidearm in every sense of the word. Multi-use tool. That's what it is. Judge John Norris said there was a little doubt that the tradesman who had already handed over $4,500 in an attempt to placate Sabbath, thought he was going to be assaulted. And on the CCTV, the offender can be seen carrying in a large black dildo in his right hand. Exhibit A. Which he is swinging as he walks in, like a cane, I guess. Or like a, heli- a boss. Like a helicopter. <laughs> he walked in like a boss. <laughs> the offender said to the mechanic, come into the office. <laughs> This is in France, is it? No. That's a shame. No, it's in Sydney. (laughs) I'm just wondering, what we just saw, we we look up this so you don't have to, which is where we are. Greg, (laughs) And we enjoy it. Greg, who brought up those images not more than a minute ago, where's the the batteries for that? Must be huge. I don't think Are you carrying a car battery around in a suitcase? I think it's a 9-volt. Do you plug it into the mains? (laughs) Is it a 9-volt? What's the big square one, Greg? Kim, where that's going, there's not going to be any solar power. I can tell you right now, there's not going to be any solar energy where that's going. I'm just thinking, you could turn it on one night and you pull a ripcord and it's like, and then you hear, and all the lights in the town start dimming. And someone at the electricity centre is looking out the window saying, wow, someone's drinking the juice tonight. And then they flick the switch for more juice. More juice, yeah. Let's bring all the windmills in Wisconsin in. Click. They're throwing the lever like Frankenstein. Well, I bet they don't have batteries. They just have a uh, weed eater motor on it. So. Or they wind up. They could have a key. Greg seems to know a lot of details, actually, which worries me slightly. Oh, oh no. Do continue. Greg's mother's listening to this. <laughs> the court heard Sabbath and had a misguided belief that the mechanic, who cannot be named for legal reasons, owed him money and had made threats via phone, text, and instant messaging. And the person was going to cause him serious harm. The court heard Sabbath, a muscular former personal trainer, had a bee in his bonnet 
when his Mercedes-Benz worth more than $167,000, which he had previously stolen back after it was repossessed, was seized by police while it was being driven by the mechanic. Only a man with a Mercedes-Benz would instantly be able to find a big 12-inch black dildo. That's not true. Saying. That's not true. Why would you say that? I don't know. Oh, she's just making stuff up now and stopping the flow. If you've got nothing, just step in and read it. I'm just saying I can find one if I need. Oh, but you don't own a Mercedes. <laughs> oh, now I get where you uh-huh, are going. Okay. <laughs> Christ, it's, it's like working with <sighs> kindergarten kids. Up. And if you're well behaved, you can go out and play. <laughs> with the crayons. Go and play with the crowns. <laughs> go and play in the sand pit. And sniff the glue. <laughs> the court heard Sabbath had a criminal history dating back to 1991 and had previously spent time in jail. After he had a court subpoena. It just sounds funny. <laughs> You're terrible. If I say court subpoena, it's funny. Court subpoena. What is a court subpoena? Is it just the way I'm walking or is it a lack of underwear? What is a court? <laughs> what? <laughs> there are more questions than answers. Well, all good things come to an end. This is our 100th episode. It was a fabulous episode. And thank you for staying with us until the end. In last place with a K2 meter and the dead battery, it is Heather who managed to score minus nine. But in resplendent first place with the $33,000 IR camera is me. I managed to score seven. Michelle managed second place by scoring two at the beginning of the competition. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of cheating next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show, and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee, or you can access me on my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. That's T-I-P-S, and I love listening and hearing all of your comments and all of your messages we also have our archives on soundcloud the last three years our last 100 episodes are available for you to listen to on soundcloud and you can access us on many many other platforms including tuning radio stitcher and itunes to name but a few if you search for mqta radio or more questions than answers remember we now do a round the last 15 to 20 minutes of the show in a round called not for your mother it is a round that we can't read out as part of the show but you can access it on any of those platforms we'd get removed or we'd get fined vast sums of money for the stuff we read out in that round my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris nathan bush jeton drainer kim mcgregor gore and all of the international paranormal society at interparanormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening over the last 100 shows and remember be interested and interesting. Good night.